Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate the backers who are out there supporting us on Patreon. For the listeners who are listening, our numbers continue to climb. It's been exciting. And I know it's not because you want to listen to my voice. It's because the guests that I've had on the show have brought some very inspirational uh, information. They've taught us about things that we didn't know. And this special, this edition is no different. My guest has been on the show before. You know him because you probably use his tools or have been on his website many times. My guest is Adam Clark, the creator of KickTrack. Adam, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am thrilled to have you on the show because we, we're not going to talk about KickTrack. And if any of my listeners haven't, don't know, let's give them a quick 10-second version of what KickTrack is. Okay. That would be you doing that, not me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so KickTrack is uh, it's an analytics tool that watches campaigns either based on category or type, um, and we look at the you know the amount that they're funding per day, how many backers, and how much interaction that their backers are having with projects per day. And how long has it been around? Oh, uh, since two thousand nine. I know that's crazy, right? Because the story's so much fun. This is a tool that you developed for your own personal use. Yeah, little bits and pieces started early before you know it was. Um, the, the the tool that it is today. And then I think, I don't know if it's an anecdotal story or whatever, but it, the story is that you went away for the weekend, right? You posted something on BoardGameGeek, went away for right. the weekend, turn, right? What's that story? Yes. Yeah, so I started building a tool that was a little bit more automated, and I posted some of the very first actual like dynamic charts that are that the tool generates now that we kind of take for granted. But um, before it was all like manually doing things by hand, um, and then I posted some charts on BoardGameGeek, and some some uh, folks figured out how to add additional projects by just changing the URLs to the charts, and the tool automatically started generating charts for other projects. So, you know, we had uh, you know dozen or so projects we were watching, and I got up the next day, and there were like 150 projects that were in there, and now almost 100 percent of projects are added to KickTrack. Right, almost a hundred percent. And I think you said it was that you had taken a screenshot, and the, in the screenshot they found the URL link directly to. I think that's how you said that they actually found how to find out where you were posting this. Yeah, it's because the charts are, were dynamically generated. There, there was a new piece of information that I added to the bottom and didn't think about that. Old charts that I had posted suddenly had that new information, and folks started going in and, and doing things. Which is great because that's serendipity at its best. You developed something for yourself. <laughs> inadvertently release yeah. it to the wild and suddenly the people are going crazy. It's like, this is great. And now kick track, like you said, it's been going for now for years and it's a fab- fabulous tool allowing people to identify uh, what they can do analytics, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the out of the brilliant mind of Adam Clark has come yet another great tool for people who are running Kickstarter projects that I believe they can't live without, particularly with now more and more success Tell us about your latest project and um, why people should absolutely be paying attention to this. Um, so our, our current tool is called Pledge Manager. It's um, it's a post campaign fulfillment um, solution that helps people, you know, take the information that they have from their successful Kickstarter and, and make it easy for their backers to go in and, and provide the information or pay shipping um, or add additional items that they might want to sell post campaign. Bundle it up in a nice, easy package for their fulfillment provider and. and generate all that data for them. Okay. 
I mean, that sounded cool. It wasn't really exciting because it actually <laughs> it is pretty exciting though because one of the things you so here's how I saw it working, and that is I went out to a project. The project had ended, and it said something about late backer or something like that. I'm trying to remember. I think it was uh, Space Goat Games. They're uh, Space Goat Productions. I clicked on it. And I suddenly went to this website where I now can continue to still pledge as if the campaign was still running. Yeah, I think that was probably – I think you, you jumped into Grim Forest. Yeah, that's what – that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. And that's Druid City's latest project and they were using us for their, their post-campaign process. So. so that means that I missed the, – the project ended, I missed it. And right. now by clicking on that button, I'm going to Pledge Manager and now I can still pledge? I mean how does that work? Yeah, so um, folks can continue it. It operates very similar to their campaign um, from Kickstarter. It's basically just a, a carbon copy. Obviously, the the project owners can you know make reward levels slightly different. So if they want their post campaign people to pay a little bit more, or pay a little bit more in shipping, they can do that. But it's essentially just the exact same process as the Kickstarter backing. So you know if you have late backers that potentially missed your project they still have a way to get into the campaign before you actually start the production process and the fulfillment so there is a timeline this isn't like in perpetuity that you just keep going there and and, and buying it's not a i'm not purchasing so you there's kind of a limit and i think you mentioned it has something to do with production yeah so you know we recommend it's not you know we don't recommend that it's like a full solution for project owners long term i mean obviously it's beneficial to them especially if they want to become like a you know, a more established brand for their, themselves, they'll set up their own e-commerce solution or use existing um, distributor outlets that they have. But, you know, for the short term, it, it bridges that gap between when the games are you know, starting to do the post-production and the actual production and still being able to get people. Because most backers um, know that they've hit a project before that somebody told them about and they missed it. And that this, you know, this provides an opportunity for them to still jump into projects um, post campaign and, and still get fulfilled with the same Kickstarter backers that the original project had. Now in this, in this, uh, the way you're doing this, are you simplifying some processes that maybe first time backers would some mistakes that they would make and you're making this easier for them? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Kickstarter has gotten a lot better over the years, but, um, we try and make that process as smooth as possible for them, especially if they want to add additional items. So the way that it works on now is Kickstarter. If you put in a pledge for something, but you want extra bits and pieces, you have to actually like calculate things yourself on how much you have to either overpay or make sure later when uh, some sort of textual survey comes out that you put all the you know ones and zeros on the right field so you get your pieces. Where this operates more like a standard e-commerce experience. So when you go to Amazon and you add things to your order, this works ex- exactly the same way. So I have my base things that come in my reward, and then I want to get you know some extra miniatures, or I want to get some special card sleeves, or I want to get a deluxe version. I can upgrade my reward level. Um, they can do all that themselves right in the post campaign tool. And then do you facilitate or make it easier then from the, the whole fulfillment side of the house? Or are you done and you just hand it off to them? Because oftentimes that fulfillment can – I mean I'm, right now I'm thinking about Gloomhaven because I've had Isaac Childress on. And I'm thinking of his 25, 26,000 backers with that project. Sure, sure. Right? Is, are you making that side of it easier or is it just pretty much this – no, uh, just bringing this all together? No, we don't actually do the actual fulfillment portion. But we, you know, we integrate with a lot of um, – um, 
popular fulfillment services. So not only can the tool kind of gather the appropriate information, so things like you need to make sure in Brazil that you get this CPF number because they have a tax ID that they need to provide for international shipments. We gather that stuff and we make sure that we get it for the, the project owners because they don't even know that they need those kind of things. How would they find um, out they needed that? <laughs> Lots of trial and error, at least on our side. I mean, it's it's there's well, so many bits of moving pieces. Yeah. So let's suppose I didn't use your service. How would I find out that I needed that that strange number for Brazil? How would I know that? As a most people, yeah, most people, unfortunately, there's not a great solution unless your fulfillment provider answers that. But if you're doing your own fulfillment, when you find out is basically when you start shipping things and they just disappear because they'll just uh, essentially the they just won't deliver them. So they basically get, um, you know, impounded by customs there in Brazil. And, you know, if you're lucky, sometimes they can go and um, possibly pick them up. But most of the time they just disappear. So it's, it's sort of a painful lesson. Oh, that would be a painful lesson, particularly if you had an order from Brazil, if you had a lot of orders and it's expensive to ship to Brazil. Yes, yes, yes. Just weird stuff like, you know, car projects, uh, you know, in Italy, for example, if you send playing cards or things that resemble playing cards, they consider those gambling devices. So they might randomly claim them. So you might not want to necessarily send your playing card project to Italy. And we can do things like catch those folks before they actually come through. And, you know, you have to deal with trying to figure out how to get your cards to them. Interesting. And you have, Adam, how in the world did you put all this together? Um, lots of trial and error. We've been working with projects for a couple of years now, so um, kind of on the down low, and you know, just figuring out different solutions for you know different types of projects. I mean, obviously, we personally here at Kicktrack have a you know passion for board games. That's why we build a lot of the tools that we have, and honestly, why we started building Pledge Manager, just because I'm a I'm a miniatures guy. So some of the post campaign processes for some of the you know the big minis campaigns. We're painful. Very painful. Right. So, and I'm sure if it's painful for me as a backer to try and figure out which pieces and parts that I want and how much it's going to cost and how much shipping I need to put in and make sure that I put the right number in. But also on the, I'm sure on the fulfillment side, it's had to be a complete nightmare. So, um, you know, trying to come up with solutions that make that whole process super smooth for them. Uh, and then also from like a reoccurring basis. So the next time I come through with that same company, I don't have to do things like put in my address or make sure that I have the correct amount of information. Um, those, you know, those were big, big pieces for me as a, a person that's backed almost 600 projects. So 600, you, you have way too much time on your hands, <laughs> <laughs> but you get a lot of happy, uh, happy project owners out there. Okay. I got a question then because the first question that people are going to say is, okay, how are you making money? Um, on pledge manager, it's just, a um, we, we charge, we don't charge any percent of their campaign. That was one of the big things that we felt really strongly about. Um, and then we just charge a, a flat per backer fee and then any portion, we take a small portion of anything that's sold within pledge manager itself. Oh, so those uh, add-ons, if I, if I upgrade to a bigger mini or a premium, that's exactly. Yeah. For us, cause it's important that, you know, we only want to help you make money if, you know, we, if, we only want to make money if we help you make money. So. Great. And you have a, a th- affordable, avoid the sharks with backer count pricing. I see that on the website. What does that mean? Um, just because, I mean, for us and a lot of my personal relationships with board game companies, it's hard for them to know upfront, like how, how much is, how much is, are all these little pieces going to take? Um, and with so many different 
um, services that are out there, both from like average, you know, there's marketing services now that there didn't used to be. Um, and there's, you know, fulfillment services. Every little person takes a little bit um, of your campaign. So we wanted to try and mitigate that as much as possible and help them know right up front, if, you know, when even before they launch their campaign. If they have a per backer fee, it doesn't matter how many backers they have or how much money they raise. They know that if they just put that amount into the margin of their reward level, their post-campaign fulfillment services, at least from you know the, the data collection side, are completely covered. So when you um, say per backer, so if I have a bunch of backers back me at a buck and a bunch of backers back me at $100, it's the same amount for each backer? Exactly. And it also gives them the flexibility to only bring folks into the tool that they want. So especially with like RPGs, for example, if you have a large portion of people that are only doing a, you know, a digital version and you're just going to email them a PDF, you don't even need to bring them into the tool. So you don't have to pay for those people. You only have to pay for people um, that you're going to sell physical goods to because we need to collect their addresses for you. Got um, it. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about Okay, you've been doing this for a while, and most people have not heard about you. That's correct, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you said somewhat by design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called stealth marketing. Is I think what we refer (laughs) to it in Silicon Valley. Uh, But, but that does not mean that you have not been involved significantly with several of the Kickstarter projects that we are all familiar with, right? That's true. I mean, the the what's really interesting is when I start talking to project owners, sometimes they're really surprised because they don't even realize that they've used us to support other campaigns um, just because of the way that our system works. Um, right. We you, feel- you refer to it as white labeling. So explain that a little bit. I mean, it, the, essentially what it is is we try to be as invisible as possible and make the post-campaign process a seamless um, extension of your campaign. So every single project is completely branded by their, you know, their marketing tone or their branding or their color scheme, even simple things like color scheme. Um, that way the backers have a nice smooth transition from the campaign process to the post campaign process. And it's completely branded by that particular project. Um, so, you know, again, we want to try and be you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, so to speak, um, and let their, you know, their project and their hard work really show up front. Okay. So let us in on the secret. Which campaigns would somebody, one of my listeners, possibly have backed and use the pledge manager and not even be aware of it? Probably the biggest one. If you, if most folks have backed Exploding Kittens, they've used us. Um, that's the one that I generally mention just because they, you know, they had almost 300,000 people. So, yeah. Um, and you handled that, and then uh, and there were a couple others. You did the coolest cooler one, correct? Yeah, that was one of our one of our um, bigger projects too. That one was crazy because they, if I recall, they went live and then didn't, and then they did it again, and then they went bankrupt. So it was <laughs> right. It was one of those. Yeah, I think they're still. I mean, I think they're still a company. They're still producing coolers. I know they're still struggling with fulfillment on on some of their Kickstarter backers, but I know they're still producing new versions of their cooler. And the um, cooler is I, way cool. It's the coolest cooler. <laughs> it really it's true. It's true. It's, you know, they, he, they, he's a perfect story of having a project, kind of putting it out there. It didn't work. Bring it back. Retool it. Relaunch it, and then have it spectacularly successful. It's something I really absolutely right. Absolutely. And I, just, I just had one of my guests on who had done that. Uh, Jason uh, Huffman with uh, Battle Hardened Games uh, did that. Right. Launch, fail, reset, relaunch, succeed, and, and that's a great thing. And then uh, you have on the website Tiny Epic uh, Galaxies was uh, used by you guys as well. 
yeah, almost all the latest Gamelin stuff, they they use us for, you know, Tiny Epic Quest, Tiny Epic Kingdoms, Tiny Epic Galaxies, um, you know, all of their Tiny Epic stuff. So Okay, I know that you, I've known you for quite a few years now, and I know that you are, you're not necessarily the strongest out in front, pitching it hard sales guy. That's true. That is true. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Um, and so... If my listeners are really, really interested in taking advantage of what you've just been talking about, do you think you could find it in yourself to share contact information where they could go and maybe sign up or try it out? Sure. If they go to pledgemanager.com, um, if they scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, there's a little form that they can fill out, and we'd be happy to talk to them about their project. Now, how hard was that? I mean, that was a ex- super, simple, super simple, right? <laughs> yeah, that was an excellent uh, job of selling. I, I don't know what, <laughs> what the challenge here is. That was an excellent job of selling. What do you see? Um, and I and if you go through, what's nice about pledge managers? You've got a lot of uh, you've got some nice a fact in there that allows people in FAQ to to see some of the stuff that they'd be dealing with. I'm thinking right now of uh, Isaac Childress over at uh, Gloomhaven with his twenty five to thirty thousand backers. Uh, it becomes a bit of a challenge, especially when you got a big project like that. So, absolutely, how small of a project should I be saying? Okay, I'm too small for pledge manager. Um, I mean, we're willing to talk to anybody. Um, you know, obviously it's a, you know, a scale thing if you're able to, um, you know, talk to lots of different people about, you know, what solutions might work for you. Obviously, if you have a, you know, a hundred people, it might not be economical, but, you know, you, sometimes you'd be surprised with, um, even smaller projects, but, you know, if they have high margins and they want to make sure that they get all to the appropriate places that they want to, you know, get their products to the people that need to get to them. You know, we'd be happy to talk to them even if their project is small. And, and obviously you don't de- you're not limited just to board games, although that is the passion that you and I both share because Co- Coolest Cooler obviously wasn't a board game. So you've got some non-projects out there. Ha- any idea? How many people, how many companies have taken advantage of Pledge Manager? Are you willing to share that number? Um, uh, you can say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not right now. Yeah. All right, that works. And how long has Pledge Manager been around then? Um, we've been up for uh, a little over two years, two and a half years of when we started doing um, more um, generic projects. Um, we did some kind of custom stuff before then. But. All right. So they can find out information at pledgemanager.com. They can go out there, and then they can follow you or uh, KickTrack at – what's your, tw- your Twitter handle is? It's just KickTrack. Just track. Yep. K-I-C-K-T-R-A. Q. You. Yes. Okay. And in our last 30 seconds to a minute, what do you see exciting coming on the horizon around Kickstarter? Just top thing that you see that's got you excited. Uh, just the quality of things that are coming out these days, even small projects, the quality is just incredible. Um, so it's, it's great to see folks, especially in the board game space, really learning and, and helping one another because, you know, Water, you know, if the water rises, it raises all boats. So I think that's that's been really cool to see over the past few years. Do you mind sticking around after the show and we can talk a little bit and put something up on Patreon? Do you mind it? I'd be happy to. Perfect. Adam, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Adam Clark, who developed KickTrack and now Pledge Manager. Be sure to te- check out either one of those, pledgemanager.com or KickTrack. That's KickTrack with a Q to find out great content for your next project that you want to launch. I think it's well worth for you to take advantage of that. And if you're a Patreon backer, be sure to stick around because we will have an opportunity just to chat with Adam just a little bit more. Thanks for listening. Take care.